uh, really appreciate you. So this morning, um, first of all, I want to, I, I said this about three times, and here's the fourth. I want to welcome our visitors. I'm seeing some new faces with us this morning, and uh, we're so excited that you're here with us. And we want to let you know that you're always welcome to this church whenever the doors are open. And I say this every single Sunday, we believe you've come to the right place because I don't think you'll find a finer church in the entire universe. And I really, I really do believe that. I really, really do believe that. So thank you and welcome to our visitors uh, this morning. Today we're going to be starting a new sermon series uh, entitled The Essence of Worship. The Essence of of worship. Since I was leading singing this morning and I was really in the, in the zone of thinking about worship and, and all that good stuff, I had actually planned this series some time ago, but it all kind of connected well, uh, and I thought it was really neat. So today we're going to be talking about the essence, the essence of worship, and we're going to be asking and uh, answering three, three different questions as we take this in-depth look at worship. And the questions are these. First, worship, what is it? Question number two, why do it? And question number three, how to do it? I know, very complex questions, right? But three simple questions. What is it? Why do it? And how do we do it? Okay? And I want to make this crystal clear. Worship is vitally important to the life of a Christian. Vitally important. And if you aren't worshiping God with every fiber of your being... On a continual basis, your walk of faith can actually stagnate in a very, very big way. The, 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 probably the best worship experience that I had ever encountered is when I first moved to, uh, to Arkansas to go to Harding University. I went out there to play football and, and to be on the football team, and then we had to go to chapel every single day, Monday through Friday. It was crazy. So we would sit in chapel, and I remember going to my very first chapel service, and there might have been about 3,000 young people in the, in the auditorium that day, and there was a song leader, and he led a song, and to hear the voices in harmony, in unison, was simply amazing. I remember that day, it actually brought me to tears as I was sitting there listening and experiencing this worship. Many of you have those high points, right, where you can remember where you had this phenomenal worship experience, or you can think in a time past where, wow, you got goosebumps when you were in church, and really the question is, why was that? Was the song leader just that good that day? Were the songs selected just that powerful that day? What was it to make you feel that way? And I would venture to say that hopefully we would feel that way every single Sunday. And the question is, how do we get to that place and how do we, how do, we do that? So uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to look at a couple of passages of Scripture. And I also want to let you know that in your bulletin you have a sermon outline. You can take that sermon outline out and follow along with us and fill in uh, some of the principles that you see on the screen here. So first of all, let me define, let me define what worship is. If you think about worship as a definition... What is worship? Well, worship is the act of offering reverence to a divine being or supernatural power. Reverence to a divine being or supernatural power. Or another definition would be it's the reverent love and devotion 
offered to a deity, an idol, or a sacred object. So I want to look at the beginning of Scripture and kind of talk about and look at where this idea of worship came from. So before we get to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 13, I want to think about Genesis 22, verses 4 and 5. So you can turn there in your Bibles if you want. I'm not going to spend too much time there. But I really want to think about the beginning of worship and how it all started and how it came together. You see, in both definitions that I just shared with you about worship, you notice the word offering was used, right? And I appreciate that word offering because that's what worship is. It's an offering. And you know, the first time that we see the word worship used in the Bible was in connection with the offering of Isaac by his father, Abraham, on the altar. And you guys remember the story. Abraham and Sarah were waiting for a long time to have this child. An angel of the Lord came to him and said, even though you guys are super old, you're going to have a baby. And you remember Sarah said, ah, that's not the case. And she laughed. And the Lord said, okay, we'll see what happens, right? And eventually they have, they have a child. And then right when they have that child, you know what the Lord said to Abraham? Now I want you to take your child and to go sacrifice the child. Crazy. Every time I read this story, I go, what? You wanted him to have this child? He waited for so long, and now that he has the baby, he's got to go sacrifice the child on an altar. I don't know if I can go through with that. But then we know the story that Abraham was obedient and went to go sacrifice his son on the altar and the Lord stopped him. And the scripture basically says in this text that that was Abraham's worship, his offering to the Lord. So do you see how connected worship is in our lives with offering and service. God wants to get down into the nitty-gritty on the inside of us when it comes to our worship so that we can offer him something. And that's what God expects when it comes to, to our worship. Worship is an offering to God that shows how much we love and respect him. And you guys remember the story of Cain and Abel and the offering there. There's so many, so many accounts in scriptures, but followers of Jesus are called to be worshipers of God. So I want to look at Deuteronomy 6.13. The scripture says here, you shall fear only the Lord your God and you shall worship him and swear by his name. If you look at the context of the beginning of chapter 6 and even in chapter 5, we see the Lord giving the children of Israel the Ten Commandments. You shall not do this, you shall not do that, you shall not do this, so forth and so on. And then you should do this and you should do that. At the end of the Ten Commandments, then we get to this text in chapter 6, verse 13, where it says, look, one of the things that you must do if you're going to be a follower of me is you're going to fear me and you're going to worship me. I believe human beings all have a desire within us to worship something. Some people right now are worshiping that Pokemon Go game, right? It's crazy. I see people walking into stuff, playing the Pokemon. You know, it's just, it's crazy to me. We can find anything to worship. Celebrities, sports figures, musicians, so forth and so on. But the Lord says, the only thing that I want you to worship is I want you to worship me. That's it. That's your duty as a disciple. That's your duty as, as a Christian. So 
Worship is vitally, vitally important to the Lord and vitally important to the health of uh, the church. John chapter 4, verses 23 and, and following. I want to tell you this story. Um, the story goes that Jesus was doing his public ministry and he had an encounter with a Samaritan woman at a well because Samaritan lives mattered. That was a joke. Um, because Samaritan lives mattered. Samaritans were looked down upon because of their ethnicity and because of their, their gender. And typically, Samaritans were looked on as pagan people without much religious uh, upbringing. There were some that were eventually converted to Judaism and so forth, but for the most part, Samaritans were these bad people. You didn't go up and have conversations with Samaritans. They, they, they were the outcast. But Jesus, looking at this woman and seeing her condition, said, I'm not worried about the fact that this woman is a Samaritan. I'm not going to worry about the fact that they have some pagan upbringings. I'm not going to worry about the fact that she's a woman. I'm going to go and have a conversation with her. And this was profound during this time period. It was crazy. People just didn't do this. But Jesus went up to her and had a conversation with her. Um, and she assumed, her assumption was this, that worship took place at the temple in Jerusalem. Meaning, when it comes to worship, worship is really just confined to a church building or a temple, right? So, so that's what worship really looks like. So when you come into the church, th th this thing that we just did, that, that's what worship is. And Jesus had to go back and say, let me, let me fix up some misconceptions. Let me help bring some clarity to you when it comes to worship. And he says this in John 4, 23. But the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. What Jesus was doing here is he was clearing up some misconceptions. He said, look, worship is not confined to this place because God is everywhere, everywhere. And I don't know about you, but this is kind of the way I grew up. There was something about coming to church on Sunday morning uh, that was just, just so special. Um, one, because you're in the, 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 the fellowship of the saints. So when you come, you get to fellowship with your brothers in Christ, and it's, it's awesome. But then there was this other side, and this other side was... Look, when you walk into the church building, this is a holy place, right? This is a sanctified place. So I remember getting dressed up on Sunday mornings. I put my tie on. I used to have a three-piece suit. I would polish my shoes, come to church, and be prepared for worship, right? And I would worship hard in so much that I would sweat sometimes on Sunday morning. And then I would leave the church, and I would say, I got my worship in. And what I failed to realize is that, you know, there are six other days in the week to be worshiping. So why did I put my emphasis solely on this one hour during that, during that day on Sunday? And it took me on this journey of really trying to understand what worship looked like and what it is and what God expects. And maybe you have that, that experience as well. God is a spirit. He's omnipresent. So worship is not confined just to a temple or to a church building or to a basilica. God became sick, if you remember in the Old Testament, of, of their sacrifices and their ceremonies because their hearts weren't fully devoted 
They would just come and go through the motions. Have you been there before? I'll be transparent. I've been there before where I just go through the motions. You see, I know the script so well now. We have a song. We have an opening. We have a song before the communion. We have our communion. And it becomes routine for me. And I know what to expect. And sometimes I'm not in a place where I need to be when it comes to worship because I'm just kind of going through the motions. Maybe you've been there. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But we go through the motions. And it's easy to fall into that trap of where we're just kind of just doing it out of routine. So this morning, I want to I talk a little bit about um, what worship as we know it consists of, okay, to, to help bring us clarity. Now, this is really, this is really we're going way back, okay? Uh, and we're going to look, about, we're gonna look at the, the five acts of worship. Have you heard that before? If you've heard about the five acts of worship, raise your hand before. Okay, that's about half of you. Really good. Well, I'm going to share with the other half the five acts of worship. Typically, this is what we do when you come into a church on, on Sunday mornings, okay? So write these down. You have your outline. I really want you to pay attention to these. These are five acts of worship that we see in Scripture that are vitally important to your walk of faith, okay? Here we go. The first act of worship that we have in Scripture uh, we see is singing, right? And, and we look at a text in Ephesians 5:19 that says, Sing, making melody in your heart. Sing to one another, making melody in your heart. Sing, sing to one another. We offer encouragement to one another and praise to God. So not only are we singing to God, but actually we're singing to others. That's why when you heard that really good song leader, you were moved. Because you were encouraged. Because God gave that person a good voice or that woman a good voice. And when you heard that song, it really touched your heart. I think that's okay. I think that's okay. That's my opinion. God gifted that person, and we're supposed to sing to one another, so we hear that, and it's encouraging. Um, all the meanwhile, we're lifting our collective praises to the Lord. So that's why it meant so much to you when you were at worship and you heard that song, and that song leader's pitch was just so right. But then there's the flip side, right? There's always usually one or two tone-deaf people in a church. Am I right? Or Am I right? There's always usually one or two or three tone-deaf people in a church. And when you come to church and you finally hear the song that you want to hear sung and led, then this person just picks a note that is way over here, right? And it throws you off while you're trying to lead singing. I used to have a lady at my previous church up in Sacramento, bless her heart, she sang with the spirit. Woo! Wasn't always on key or tone, and I can't really bash, right, because I can't sing the greatest either, but she had this piercing screech, and when we had visitors show up at the church, she, we knew that note was going to come, right, and she would hit that one note, and the visitors in the church would look around like, what is wrong with this lady, right, and I remember at the preacher there, I was the preacher of the church, it used to embarrass me so much, right, it used to just embarrass me, oh, Sister Dorothy, why, right, why, what we do need to know about worship is, it's so true, God doesn't care about how well we sing. He really doesn't. So, so if you are not a good singer like I am, great. When you come to church, you're still supposed to be singing, right? You don't have to sing really loud, but sing, you know? Sing. Move your lips. Give praises to the Lord because that's what he wants from his church, right? Right? 
And nowadays, the trend that we have is we walk into these mega churches and these big churches, they have this wonderful, awesome band playing on stage and everybody can sing, you know, and, it, and, and you go in there and you're just so overwhelmed by it all that you don't even sing, do you? You just sit there and you just watch like, wow. See, I think the Lord that we serve wants us to be participants in his worship. And that's why singing is so vitally important. So I think, this is my opinion, when you come to church, the Lord wants you to sing. Even if you're off key, even if you don't, sing. And that's what the Lord wants. And I think he's proud and happy of that. You don't have to be embarrassed by it, okay? Sing. Another thing that we do in church um, is we pray. And I'm going out of order, but just bear with me. We pray. We offer praise and thanks to God. The Lord's prayer begins with praise, if you think about it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When we come to church, we are required to pray so that we can open up our hearts and minds to the Lord. And that's why I really appreciate what uh, Chuck did this morning in helping us focus ourselves as we enter into the time of communion, right? Another thing that we do is we... Um, we, we take the communion. Now, in a lot of churches, and you can write this down, just kind of process it with me. In a lot of churches, communion is done differently, right? So in some churches, they have a communion once a year. Some churches, it would be once every six months. Other churches, it's every single Sunday. For me, there's something about communion that makes me feel connected to God. So when I come and I'm able to partake from that cracker and that, that, that grape juice, and I feel connected to the Lord. The scripture says on the first day of the week, they came together to break bread. That could have been a common meal or it can be the communion. But what I love about the churches of Christ, we take the Lord's Supper every single Sunday. And when we do that, what we're saying is we remember the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf. And we cherish it. So communion, I believe, is vitally important to your spiritual development and your well-being. So if you're coming to church and you're missing the communion, I say you're missing out on a big part. Or if you're at a church that doesn't do communion weekly, I would say you're probably missing out some. So communion is vitally, vitally important. Another thing that we do is we give or we tithe. Some people don't like that word. But we offer our monies to the Lord. God always required us to give back as a form of worship. And, you know, churches get bad raps when it comes to the use of money, right? They say the money's going to the, to the pastor, or the money is going here, or the money is not being spent right. God never says worry about how the money's being used. He says give. Give. So when you come to church and the plate is being passed, God is looking at you and saying, what are you giving? And maybe not even the plate being passed because today we do it in different ways. We have an online app where you can just give online and you don't have to put anything in the bank. God wants us to give, though. And that's a powerful position. That's a powerful thing when we're able to give to the Lord and that draws us closer to God, giving. And if you're like me, sometimes you're broke, right? Oh, you're not. <laughs> can I borrow a dollar then? No. If, if you're like me, sometimes it's rough, isn't it? You get into times where, 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 where it's, it's tough. I remember being a college student. I, I would go to church, and I would, I, I would have to choose between gas and McDonald's, right? 
And I would always read the scripture and it would say, give to the Lord. And if you give to the Lord, you'll be blessed in big ways. So I remember one Wednesday or Sunday evening, I went to church and I, I said, you know what? I don't have, I have a $20 bill. And that's all I have. That's my last 20 to my name. I'm going to go out on faith and I'm going to put this in the basket. And I, I, I know the Lord is going to take care of me. I know he's going to bless me, right? So I remember that basket being passed and I put my $20 in that plate and it went off, and I remember just thinking, the Lord's going to bless me somehow. So I waited in the back of the church, shaking everybody's hand, thinking somebody might take me out to lunch or, or dinner. <laughs> People started leaving, and I was still there. I said, wait a minute, Lord, this is the, I don't know if it's supposed to work this way, right? But anyway, that's the way we think sometimes. When we, when we give, we expect to receive something back from God so quickly. God did take care of me in a powerful way, but... God requires us to give without expecting anything in return. You just give to him and he'll take care of you in powerful, powerful ways. And then lastly, here's the thing that we do when it comes to worship. We listen to God's word. We listen to God's word. So watch this. It means when you're listening to the word, you're not falling asleep. It means when you listen to the word, you're not doing this, which I couldn't stand. I was at the church, and there was a guy that used to sit in the front pew, and he used to listen to me preach, and he would clip his fingernails during the sermon. Tink, tink, tink. I remember one time, one flew up and hit him in the eye. He said, oh, you know, I said, that's what you get, right? When it comes to the word of God, we are required to listen, right? So no matter who's up here preaching, it's our duty and our job as a form of worship to listen to what God is communicating through the vessel up here. And sometimes that's difficult, isn't it? Because we've all heard the monotone preachers or the preachers that, that really, it doesn't matter. Whoever's up here preaching, we are required to listen to what God is saying to us through that person. And sometimes that can be, that can be difficult. Um... And then lastly, I want to leave you with this as, as we kind of close this morning. Here's, here's the big one that, that we all kind of address but don't really address. We talk about but we don't talk about. Here's what I see, okay? Mainly, I see two different types of worship styles, okay? And you guys will know where I'm going. One is holy reverence, um, I don't know, kind of, kind of, uh, kind of dry, Maybe that's the wrong word, but you kind of know where I'm going. You come to worship, and there is a reverence, and there is an awe, and it's almost like, quiet, you're in the Lord's house, right? So when you walk in and you sing, everything is kind of subdued and quiet, and, and, and there's just a reverence here, and you feel God's spirit in this place, right? I've been to church services like that where you come in, and you don't, you don't, you don't get out of line. You sing 4-4. Four, four. Right? And that's the way, and you better not hit a different note. Right? It's reverence. But then I've been to other services where you go in and you're like, my goodness, why is everybody yelling in this church? Right? The preacher's talking and people are talking back. Can I get an amen? Amen, that's right. Come on, say what you're going to say, preacher. Right? And that shocks some people, doesn't it? You go to church, you're like, what? You're not supposed to talk. This is not how this thing works. Right? And sometimes we compare those styles and we say one style is right and one style is wrong, right? So the way I grew up, 
uh, worship was supposed to be really, it was, it was like a workout almost. The preacher would be up preaching, sweating, bringing his towel out, petting his head in the church. Every, it was all the way live, right? And sometimes we would look at other churches that didn't do it that way, and we would say, there is no spirit in that place. What is wrong with those people? Aren't they excited about the Lord, right? And then on the flip side, I've been to churches where it's kind of quiet and reverent. And they look at the churches that are yelling and screaming, and they go, what is wrong with y'all? You have to scream every single time, right? But what I love is, is what I read in Psalm chapter uh, 95, verses 1 and 6. Here's what it says about worship that I think is so, so neat. It says, Oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully. I guarantee you, if someone here at this church, while we were leading singing, just shouted, hallelujah, we would be like, what on earth are you doing? Some of us would just say, hey, that's powerful, praise the Lord, but it's so out of context for us here that we wouldn't know what to do with it. We'd kind of be shocked, right? But the scripture says here, let us shout joyfully. When's the last time you shouted in church? (laughs) Thank you, Billy. You always said, there you go. But when's the last time you've shouted in church? Chances are you probably haven't, right? Not in a while anyway, unless you were yelling at your kids, but you don't don't shout in church. That's not what you do. We're not used to that. But scripture says, that's one of the things we do. We shout, we lift up holy hands, but that's so out of context for us. But guess what? That's okay. Because I see another side, and the other side says in verse number six, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. And that tells me that in this style a little bit, I see some reverence where you're not shouting, but you're falling face down and and, and exploring the goodness of God through worship. So I think these two styles, these two ways, I think both of them are right. And I would encourage you to experience both of them. And I think you'll be moved in different ways, okay? So the subdued worship and the shouting worship, I think are both right. Uh, We do it a little bit differently here at our church. We kind of mix both from time to time, okay? Now that Billy's here, um, we start mixing some from from time to time, okay? So as we close this morning, I want to leave you with some some kind of practical applications, some things to think about. Uh, Great sermon. Now what? First passage, or the the, the last passage of the day is Matthew chapter 15 and uh, verse number 8. And Jesus was talking, and he says, look, the people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. Every time I read this verse, I'm going I'm to be transparent this morning. Every time I read this verse, I feel a little bad from time to time. You know, as the preacher, um, sometimes it's tough coming to church and worshiping, especially on a day like today, Alicia, where the slides are going wacky. I'm leading singing, and, and then I'm preaching, and I'm thinking about all kind of stuff, and sometimes I just can't, I can't connect it's hard for me to worship, and what I do is I find myself going through the motions. Maybe you've been there before, where you come to church, and you've got something going on in your mind, and you're just kind of here, and you're just going through it just because you want to make sure you were there that day, but you were so far away from where God was when you were in worship that day. Maybe you've been there before, or maybe it's just me, but that happens to me from time to time. And whenever I hear this verse, and I hear the words of Jesus It pricks me in the heart every single time. And it makes me wonder and question, am I coming to church and am I just going through the motions? Or am I really worshiping the Lord with every fiber of my being when I'm in his presence with my church family? 
And I hope that you can say, I'm worshiping the Lord with every fiber of my being when I'm in the presence of the saints with the Lord. But let me tell you this, and this is something I do know. It's really easy to go through the motions. And what Jesus says here is, I don't want lip service. I don't want lip service. I want real people. I don't want lip service. You know what lip service is, right? You know what lip service is? I'll tell you what lip service is since my family's not here. Um, so one Saturday, I decided to be really nice, and I woke up early, and I was going to make some homemade blueberry muffins, right? Do I know how to make blueberry muffins? No, but, but that's besides the point, right? I wanted to get up and do something nice. So I got up, and I started constructing these blueberry muffins. I forgot that you're supposed to preheat the oven before you start cooking, right, or mixing up stuff. So I was throwing in kind of stuff, maybe got some eggshells inside of the muffins, but eh, whatever, right? It's a nice thing to do put the muffins in the oven, and then I turned on the oven, and it took a little longer to bake and to cook than what I thought it should, but anyway, I accomplished the task. The kids woke up. Mary was gone that Saturday. Kids woke up, and I said, kids, have a seat around the breakfast table. Daddy made some muffins this morning, right? Worked really hard. Put the muffins before them. I remember Izzy picking one up and looking at the bottom first. I was like, what's she doing? And they tasted the muffins, and I said, girls, what do you think? And you know what they said? Dad, this is delicious. This is delicious. This is great. These are the best muffins I've ever had, you know? Uh, and then I noticed they both took one bite, and then they just kind of left it there. And I said, aren't you going to eat the rest of your muffins? No, well, we're full. You know, we're full, right? We're full. Lip service, right? The Lord doesn't want lip service. He wants us to be genuine in our worship. So when we come, we're really invested, we're really honed in, we're really focused, we're paying attention to what God is doing in this place. And we're drawing closer and closer to him. Practical application. I want to leave you with three things that I think will encourage your worship. These are three things that I want you to implement and do this week, okay? Three things that I want you to do this week that I think will really bless your worship and your spiritual life, okay? One of the things that I do... Uh, that I'm guilty of, that I, I don't care, I don't care that I'm, I'm guilty of, but one of the things I do is from time to time, I'll go on to YouTube, I'll go on to YouTube, and I'll find um, some of my very favorite song leaders or churches that do worship in, in, a, in a very powerful way, and I'll go there and I'll log on and I'll watch the service, and I will be singing along with the service for the 30 minutes there. It does something to me every single time when I'm able to log on and feel like I'm participating in that worship. It's amazing. You know, another thing that I do is I'll turn on the radio and I'll sing along with the radio in the car as I'm heading to the church building or going somewhere. I worship. I'm actively involved. Another thing, and I know you guys do this too, from time to time, don't you open up your songbooks of faith and praise? And you have those days where you just open up the book and you start looking through and you reminisce and you hit that song and you're like, I remember when I was like 10 and they used to sing that song. And you sing that song and it does something to you, right? You get moved by it, it's powerful, it puts you in a place uh, that is so unique and so, and so neat. So this week, what I would encourage you to do is I would encourage you to find some clips, to find a radio station, to find a song, to get a song book and to worship by using that means, okay? Do that, try it. I think it'll bless your life and benefit you greatly, okay? Here's something else that you can do. I want you to critique your worship on Sunday morning. Can you believe that? Well, 
come on, you know you're already doing it. Let's be honest, okay? Let's be honest. When you come to church, you're critiquing everything that's going on, aren't you? Let's be real. That sermon wasn't that great. What do you think of the sermon today? Well, you know. Eh. What do you think of the song service? Well, it was kind of slow, dry, the spirit just wasn't. Everybody does. Don't act like you don't. On your way to wherever you're going after church to go eat, you're talking about the service. What do you think, right? <laughs> right? I want you to really think about that because I do that all the time. I, I critique the service. Well, we could have been better in this. We could have been better in that. And what that does is that, put the blame, that puts the blame on everybody else. You notice that? Instead of, of me taking responsibility of my part in the service. You notice that? Well, I didn't worship that comfortably today because that song, it was, and what we're doing is putting the blame on everybody else instead of saying, what could I have done even though that was the case, to feel connected to God? That's really what we need to be asking, right? What could I have done differently in that service, even though that preacher was dry? What could have I, that song wasn't the greatest. What could I have done differently? I want you to write that down. So this week, I want you to write that down. Critique this service. Don't tell me the critiques. Just write them down and then throw them away because nobody wants to know all that, okay? And I want you to say and write it down, what could I have done differently to make me feel more connected to God during the worship assembly? Write that down. And I really want you to process that and think of that. And I guarantee you to bless your life. You remember when Paul and Silas were in prison, they were in prison, right? And, and they had the best praise team down there with them that the world has known, right? And the best preacher was down there. And then they were able to worship comfortably. Isn't that what the scripture says? No. Scripture says they were in prison with stinky inmates and still found a way to praise God in that moment. I would encourage you to write some things down. How could I have worshipped differently today to make me feel more connected to God? Think about that. And then lastly, as we close, <laughs> here's one. Write this down. Check yourself before you... You guys don't know? Let's try that again. Check yourself before you... Very good. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Write that down. What does that mean? Well, I'm going to tell you what it means. When you're in worship, there's a whole bunch of things that can take your mind elsewhere. Am I right about it? You can be sitting there and your stomach will growl. And then you go, oh, I wonder what I'm going to eat today. Don't act like you don't do it, right? Oh, and then your mind just starts rotating through. Well, Pepinos, now nah, we had that last Sunday. And this is during the service, right? Right? That, that, that happens from time to time. Or you're sitting there in service and you're trying to pray and you're just in the moment and you hear people coughing and sneezing. Right? And you're like, what did I get? And then you start thinking, hey, maybe they need some Kleenex. I wonder if they're sick today, right? And your mind just goes in a totally different place. Or you're listening to the sermon and you're bored and you're like, man, you know, I wonder what time we're going to get out of here today. And if you're like me, your mind goes in 50,000 different places while you're worshiping. That happens to me even during the Lord's Supper sometimes, right? And maybe even today as you were participating in the Lord's Supper, you saw the, the slides go back and forth or whatever. What we have to do is we have to make sure we're constantly checking ourselves during worship. So we have to snap back. So if we find our mind going somewhere else, you have to say, bring it back in. We're focusing on the Lord today, right? And you think I'm joking, but that's something that we need to practice while we're in worship. When we start drifting this way, bring it back in because that's Satan. That's what he does every single time. If he gets us focused on something else, we're way over here, and we need to be right here when it comes to worship. So check yourself before you wreck yourself during worship. 
Because if you follow that rabbit trail when your mind goes somewhere else, you can be at church and you can just be offering lip service the entire time and not really be connected to the Lord. So make sure you check yourself before you wreck yourself when you come to church. So this morning we have a song of invitation selected. Uh, and during the song of invitation, if there is anyone here that needs to respond to the message this morning, we would invite you to come forward. The church will pray with you. We'll pray for you. Or you can walk to the back and some of our uh, shepherds will be back there to take your request. But whatever your needs or concerns are, you can come now. And I'm going to ask you to stand with us as we close with this last song, number 969.